This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. This episode is sponsored by The Path, the coach-guided membership designed to help you make alcohol small and relevant in your life by removing your true desire to grab that next drink. Our science-based, compassion-led program allows you not only to shift your behavior and your relationship around alcohol, but more importantly, uncover and reprogram your subconscious conditioning and neural connections that have been keeping you stuck for years. With daily live breakthrough coaching, an intimate and supportive community, regular peer-to-peer connection calls, and a complete vault of resources, this is where your path to total freedom and effortless enjoyment of your new way of life begins. Join us at NakedMindPath.com. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Sandra. Hi, Sandra. Hi, Annie. How exciting is this? That's so great. I'm so glad to talk to you like this. This is amazing. So why don't you sort of take us back to the beginning in your drinking journey? Where did it all begin for you? Sure. So being from Scotland, it's not, it wasn't a case of when did alcohol creep into my life. It was in my life from the very beginning. And where I grew up, I didn't know anyone that was an alcoholic but I didn't know anyone that didn't drink. It was just something that people did. When I was in my um, teenage years, so I went to university in Glasgow when I was 17, and it was like a real party binge drinking culture, and I absolutely loved it. And I never drank on my own. I never drank at home, but I always drank when I was socializing. And quite often I would discover that I drank more than I wanted to on a night out, but I just thought that I had to try harder to control it. And I always just tried to laugh off getting up the next day and having like slight gaps in my memory of what had happened and just trying to make it out that it was all a bit of a laugh. And having a hangover was just normal part of life. And that's how I carried on. And at that point I was drinking cider and blackcurrant which now <laughs> that sounds pretty horrible but I remember that it the blackcurrant made it taste not too bad um yeah. and so then I moved on and when I was in my early 20s and um, I um, I trained as a chartered accountant and I moved into London and again it was like a real party culture so I was living in a shared flat with some friends and I was working in an investment bank. And I, it was a real work hard, play hard culture. So when I was out with my friends at the weekends, like we went to see a lot of gigs, we were really into music and it was a real party flat. And then when I was out with work, we went to posh wine bars and it was seen as a real badge of honor to go into work the next day after having drink loads the night before, but still push through with your hangover and still turn up for work. And I worked in a mainly male environment and I'm not very tall and I weigh eight stones. So it didn't really take that much for me to get drunk. And again, the same pattern continued where I wouldn't be able to control how much I drank in a night out. And I would just have these 
like really crippling waves of anxiety the next day. And it was worse when it was with work. You know, I had this most, like just feeling this horrible dread, like what have I said? What have I done? Have I made a fool of myself? Have I offended anyone? Luckily, this was in the days before mobiles, so there wasn't any pictures. But, you know, I used to avoid people and I had a horrible time afterwards. But again, I just carried on thinking, okay, Sandra, you just have to have a bit more control. And it never, ever entered my mind to stop drinking. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just like more control and, you know, you'll get the hang of this. And everyone around me was drinking a lot as well. I now realize I was probably drinking more than some people, but I certainly wasn't aware of that in my um, teens and 20s. And then I guess when I got to my 30s, it was sort of like my lifestyle changed and my drink of choice changed, but my alcohol consumption was still fairly constant. So by this point, I had moved on from vodka and Red Bull and maybe a vodka espresso and then I started drinking like nice wine um, and I would go more to restaurants than to a bar and I'd done things like wine appreciation course in London, I went wine tasting in America and in France and I was like oh I love wine, <laughs> I would try and work out what wine to pair with what food and, and uh, travelling was my real passion I took a year off when I was in my 20s and I went backpacking around the world, um, which I absolutely loved. Um, and I drank all the time there, but you know, that was a holiday, so that was different. And then when I was in my 30s, um, I was really fortunate to go to some amazing places on holiday. So I'd done a few charity cycle rides. I'd done one through Rajasthan in India. Um, I, um, I, I remember going on a yoga retreat to Ibiza where you weren't supposed to drink, but every single holiday I drank, you know, in India, I said I, I had a drink every night because it was the stress of being on the bike with the bad roads. And with the yoga trip, it was like, well, it's a long bike holiday. Why wouldn't you have a drink? I thought it was perfectly normal to seek in two bottles of wine to a yoga retreat for a long weekend because it, it wouldn't have crossed my mind not to drink. And I, I still think I was in this massive denial that, I've I, I done all these things, but I still kept drinking. And if you looked at me from the outside, you probably wouldn't have said there was a problem. You know, I never missed a day at work because I was drunk. I never really, if I drank on my own, it would be like a glass of wine. It wouldn't be what I considered a problem. Um, you know, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be someone that would be, if I had the bottle of wine's open, I have to finish it. But at the same time, I started becoming aware I was, I felt incredibly deprived if I tried to not drink at the weekend or if I was out for dinner with one of my friends. But on holiday, I drank every single night. I always drank on a bank holiday. So, you know, I was drinking quite a lot, but it seemed to be like not a pattern that anybody, least of all me, like, thought was an alcoholic so I didn't really I I, I was surrounded by everyone else that, that seemed to do similar so that carried on in my 30s and then in my 40s I went into a sort of self-development journey so 
I had a couple of health problems. I had a problem with the tension in one of my eyes and I had this real horrific anxiety that um, I had glaucoma and I really couldn't handle the anxiety. And so I ended up, I found this fabulous life coach and she helped me overcome all my demons. And I know this sounds silly, but realize that all the stories I was telling myself weren't true. And so I felt like um, this was an amazing thing that nobody really knew about, that you could sort of control your thoughts. And, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was great at it, but I certainly could see the benefit. And so then I'd done things like I had a meditation teacher when no one I knew in London meditated. Um, I ditched like processed food. I eat really healthily. I, I was doing marathons. I was really into yoga. But I just really turned a blind eye around alcohol. And I was still having the same pattern with, with every so often. It'd be a night out. I would drink way more than I ever intended. And I actually don't think ever in my life I ever intended to get drunk. I always wanted to have a few drinks to have fun. And every single time I got drunk, it was yeah. because I had lost control. <laughs> so it's quite shocking to think that I went on for like 20 years. And when I had my 40s, I just thought, I cannot bear this anxiety any longer. And I've sorted out all these other things, right? I'd had a career coach, I had a life coach, I had a meditation teacher. And I was like, there must be something I can do. And I would have been absolutely horrified to think of the idea of going to Alcoholics Anonymous. It just didn't even enter into my thought process and I, I don't even like the word sober you know I just think it sounds quite miserable and when I read about moderating people just just to say well you know just cut down <laughs> there's got to be a bit more support than that and then um, I came across you in a in a podcast that you've done with Club Soda and I just you know when I had an image of AE I thought about people that were really down in their luck. And I thought about uh, someone with a problem drinker, somebody sitting on a park bench with a brown paper bag with some kind of nasty, strong spirit and, you know, they've lost everything. And, and then when I seen you talking about controlling drinking and I thought, oh, this sounds amazing because this woman seems quite smart. She's like a professional woman. And you didn't ever say you have to give up. And then you also said, about learning how to change and rewire your subconscious beliefs. And I thought, oh, that sounds amazing. So I was really, really intrigued. And I must have signed up to a mailing list. And I can remember I was at the airport and I was going home to Scotland for the weekend. And I was sitting at this like seafood and wine bar. And I got this email came up and I was having a glass of wine because I would never ever get on a plane without having a glass of wine first me neither <laughs> and i seen and it said you know it said it was your first ever intensive program and there was a part of me thinking are you sure about this sandra this i was thinking to myself like you've done some weird things in your time but this this is like a bit you know this is this is new territory and you know i was thinking wow do i really need this and then I thought, well, the subconscious beliefs thing will be good. 
And so I remember signing up and then I can remember like how amazing it was. And some of the things I think were quite funny where it started in, it must have started in May. Or, and, and I remember you saying like, we're going to do two months and then we're going to go alcohol free. I remember thinking, oh, that's ridiculous because that means I'll be alcohol free in July. <laughs> and I remember saying, there's no way I can do that because it's summer. And then, then I remember about a month in on one of the Q&As and I said to you, I was absolutely dreading going alcohol free. And then I started getting excited. And so I, I'd done the 30 days and I was just, I hadn't told anyone that I was working with you because I just think I hadn't really processed it myself. And I just said to people, I'm just having a break. And yeah. halfway through the 30 days, um, Scott said to me, well, you should really extend it to 100 days. And to me, this was like, you know, I'm really getting into unknown territory here. So I didn't know anyone that had not drunk for that long. I had one friend who told me he hadn't drank for three months, but he'd actually um, had some kind of illness and he was on medication. So he was like, that doesn't count. And so I was like, like 100 days, like what am I going to be like after 100 days? So I was going through the 100 days and then Scott said, well, I think you should actually do a year. And I was always really, really adamant that I was never going to give up drinking. It was always going to motivate. And something happened about halfway through the year where I thought, oh, this is quite funny because I'm actually enjoying life more. Like I'd always thought if I get a year, then I'll be really strong and I'll work out. Like I'll have a nice glass of champagne on my birthday or I'll have this amazing glass of wine once a month. And I was like, I, I don't want to drink. And I, was, I, I sort of fought it for a while a bit like the opposite of people that fight, like with people that want to give up. I wanted to, there's a part of me that wanted to go back to drinking. <laughs> I had to be honest with myself and say, Sandra, you're happier now. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for that, Annie, because honestly, like I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people come on this podcast and they say, I can't believe it. Like, I don't think anyone was more amazed than me that I actually have given up drinking not for health reasons, because I'm happier without it. It's amazing. I love that. That's so cool. I love too how you're like almost resistant to the idea, which just shows that like your story and your journey, I think is such a good example of it just really being ultimately decided by you because at the end of the day, yeah, you could have gone back and you could have, you know, at any point in time. And then you're just like, you know what, actually, what would be the point? I was, I was on a BBC interview earlier today, a BBC radio or podcast. And the, one of the questions was, well, why, why don't you just have like the odd glass of wine or the odd cocktail? Like, what's the big deal? Like, is it really that big of a deal? And it was a panel. So there's a few different answers and the answers were really like, I don't see the point anymore. It's not that I feel like I couldn't, I just don't know why I would. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's so funny because I met some friends about six weeks ago for the first time after lockdown. And, you know, one of my friends was like, 
have you heard <laughs> Sandra's a coach and she doesn't drink? And um, and this friend of mine said, well, why don't you just have a drink occasionally? And I said to her, like, honestly, if I occasionally wanted to have a drink, I wouldn't be able to coach people in an authentic way and tell them that I'm happier without drinking. So the reason why I don't, you know, even if I knew I could just have one, I don't want it. And I think that is something that's hard for people to get their head around because they tend to think that if you can just have one, well, then you should. And the idea that actually even one might not be fun is, uh, yeah, it's kind of like revolutionary. Yeah. And it's so interesting, too, because a lot of people, you know, of course, people come in all the time and they're like, well, can I moderate? And I said, that is totally your decision. You know, this is not about, you know, around here at this naked mind, we don't make decisions based on your behavior, right? So never drinking again or getting sober or moderation or how many drinks you're going to have a week. We make decisions and goals based on how you want to feel. Right. And so what you're, what I'm hearing from you is like, oh, I just want to feel happier. And this actually is the path to feeling happier. And at the end of the day, we humans, we do most everything we do to feel a certain way. So for me, my goal was that I wanted alcohol to be small and irrelevant. And if that meant I had an occasional drink, fine. But if that meant I didn't ever drink, that was also fine. And it was really interesting because by definition, in order to make alcohol small and irrelevant, I had to get to a point where moderation was by definition is making lots and lots and lots of decisions, right? It's how much, when, what is too much? How do I make sure I don't have too much? Cause I know that after two, all bets are off. Uh, you know, am I gonna do it tonight or not tonight? What about this circumstance? And so there's all of these decisions and the human brain, we have decision-making fatigue, which means it is literally as hard to make a really big decision as it is to make a really small decision. And the more decisions we make, the more fatigued our brain gets and the worse our decision-making power gets. And so it just takes a lot of effort. So when people are like, can I moderate? I was like, you might choose to moderate or you might choose that that is just going to be too much effort. And I think that's one of the things that people don't understand is like, yeah, I feel like I could moderate alcohol. I also feel like that would be a life and a lifestyle that would just be so much effort for me. I don't see any point to even attempting it. You know, and, and so I, I can't say definitively because I frankly haven't attempted it because I just, I wouldn't see the point, you know, knowing everything that we teach about alcohol. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. So how has it been sort of with friends and family? So, you know, most people I know still drink. So, um, I'd say that I, I feel that people don't realize what we've just said about like even one drink is, is not fun I think my my parents are really proud of me um, I think most people thought it was a bit weird especially when I became a coach but like my dad in particular he can see um like he reads all my testimonials and he gets excited so like socializing for me now I like I enjoy it more <laughs> I find that amazing because I remember you explaining things like when you socialize and you're not drinking, you can be very intentional. And so whenever I had to go to work events, like being able to be quite smart about who to chat to, how long to be there, 
and that amazing realization that you don't have to be there until the bitter end. And then, um, you know, being out with friends in the beginning, I would think, right, well, I tell them my funny story about this. And, and I realized when I was drinking, I would just be like commanding the conversation without, um, you know, without thinking about how I was showing up. And I, I, in the very beginning, one night out, I remember feeling a bit awkward for the first hour. But then I also remember about about two hours in thinking, I'm actually enjoying myself better than everyone else. And that felt really good. So, yeah, I, I love the fact that you can be quite intentional about who you go out with, how long you go out for. And that I get to decide in the, you know, who knew that you didn't have to stay until the restaurant or the bar closed, right? You can actually get up and go because the best part of the night is over. So that, yeah, it has been, it has felt completely different, but I'd say I'm enjoying it more. I love that. That's so true. And I feel the exact same way. It's amazing. Um, and so, you know, have you found things to replace alcohol? Like how do you, how do you unwind these days? Yes. So I think that's one of the important things, right? Because for me, I wouldn't have been able to like, carry on being alcohol free if it had felt like deprivation so like after work like relaxing for me giving myself the gift of doing nothing which is uh, you know just like lying on the couch and listening to music I find like really enjoyable I like a lot of non-alcoholic drinks so I feel like I can still connect to people and I can still socialize but the good thing is I don't feel worse afterwards. So I'd say that I've just become a bit more particular about my social life. And I, I do feel like it's an upgrade because I don't tolerate something that I don't enjoy anymore. I love that. I love that so much. And so Sandra, you have decided to kind of take this and go all in and make this sort of your career now. So can you tell me about that, how that journey was for you and making that decision? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, again, like, I just think it's been amazing. Um, so after I had, after I had done about a year, I remember, I remember going to Denver. And one of the reasons I wanted to become a coach, one of the things that you've taught me, Hannah, is to be brave, right? So when I went to Denver, I wasn't drinking, but I hadn't told anyone in work that I had done a course to give up alcohol. And even when I was in Denver and you were taking pictures, I made sure I wasn't in the picture because I, I had this corporate life and I thought, nobody can know. And, um, and I just remember like thinking there's something really sad about the fact that I feel amazing, but I'm, at the same time, I'm still stuck in this stigma where you don't talk about alcohol or you don't. And when people say, why did you give up? I'd come up with this kind of like lame reason. And so... You then spoke about like you were launching the path, which was a very original path. And I remember you turned around in Denver and it was at the end of the conference. And you said, just so you know, the people that sign up, when I look for my first coaches, it will be in this group. And I was like, right, I'm in. And I remember. <laughs> and I just thought, that is what I want to do. That That's it. And I remember saying to you and Scott, look, I don't feel like I'm struggling with alcohol because at that point I'd been about six months alcohol free. Um, but I, I love the idea of carrying on the self-development and I wanted to become a coach. 
And you both said, look, it's for, you know, it's not just going to be for people that are starting at day one, trying to give up. So I'd done that for a year and then I went back to Denver. All the time I was telling people in work that I had a group of friends in Denver. So I thought it was a bit strange that I kept going to Denver. Um, and then I'd done a coaching qualification. And I realized that if I wanted to do it properly, like I had to be all in. So it didn't really work for me doing it and still having a, a corporate job. And so then I started thinking about how could I do this full time? And I was incredibly fortunate because I know that, you know, COVID obviously caused a lot of problems for a lot of people. But for me, I was very fortunate in that the company I worked for had um, done a voluntary redundancy um, scheme last year. And they asked me to stay until the end of the year. But I, I was then able to do this full time. And I think it feels like doing it full time and being able to be honest about this is who I am and this is what I do. I'm telling the people that I work with, you know, by the way, I'm a coach and I teach women how to get control over alcohol. And they were like, <laughs> you know, no idea. But, you know, this is who I am now. And I think the thing about you teaching me to be brave, I recognize in the other women that I work with that sense of shame. And when people ask, you know, about confidentiality and stuff, and I think, look, I get you because I was there. So... I feel like by me kind of like living this identity, it help, I totally understand what that's like. And I, I, I do my best to help people get over that. I love that so much. And you're making such an impact, which is so great. So if people are interested, where can they find you? What's your website? So I'll tell you how I got the name for my website. So um, the first year that I stopped drinking, um, my catchphrase was just a tonic because... Every time I went to this restaurant and I asked for a fever to tonic, the barman always turned around and said, gin and tonic. And I would say, just the tonic. And then when it came to deciding a name for my business, I wanted it to be something that was a bit fun as well, because I, I'm doing this because I, I truly believe people can have more fun when they're alcohol-free. So the name of my business is Just the Tonic. And my website is just a tonic coaching. So that's where people can find me. I love that so much. And we'll put that in the show links too. That's awesome. So Sandra, let's finish up with the question that I always ask at the end of these, which is if you could go back in time, you know, to talk to Sandra of your and tell her about what life is like now, what would you say? So I, if I went back to my younger self that was struggling with alcohol, like I would want to tell her that she is amazing as she is, just her, herself, without needing any alcohol. And I would tell her that when she gets to her 40s, unlike what she might have expected, that life becomes more predictable, it's actually going to blow her mind. So she's going to discover that life is actually way more fun without alcohol. And also just discovering what she's like as a person, like alcohol-free, is going to be really fun. It's going to be exciting. And like all the challenges my younger self had, all those mornings when I woke up and I felt so low about myself and so sad and so worried about what had happened, to know that I can then use that to 
like resonate with other people and and that actually becomes a bit of a power because I can help other people and I can then build this career like how you know I I was a chartered accountant and now I now I'm working with people and they're telling me that I make a difference in their life so to discover something like that in my 40s is amazing yeah so I would tell her to to hold out for being a bit older because it's all going to get a lot better well, I love that so much. There's a song that actually we had played at our wedding, a friend of mine who's a brilliant singer, she sang it live for us. And um, the chorus is, uh, grow old along with me because the best is yet to be. And I've always loved that sentiment of like, the best is yet to be. It's just so, so hopeful, you know? And I think it's, it becomes so true when you make this change, when it is such a positive change. It's just great. Yeah. And I want to thank you so much, Annie, because you really are a trailblazer, you know, like you sort of, like you definitely changed my life, but like not just for me, but like for other people as well. And I, I think you were really different in that you made it acceptable to talk about alcohol and like, you know, you had a successful career, you were smart and you, a whole bunch of people like that would never have identified with any other form of wanting to control drinking you managed to to reach out to them and I I mean I'm I absolutely love what I do now and I I, during COVID and seeing how people were struggling with alcohol I just always felt this massive wave of gratitude that I I discovered you and I discovered this naked mind and it's been amazing thank you so much oh you're so welcome and thank you so much for being here it's just so much fun and so great to talk to you and hear hear more of your story Thanks very much, Annie. Hi, it's Annie Grace. I wanted to interrupt this podcast, I guess the end of this podcast, to say that if you're totally serious about actually and truly and forevermore transforming a relationship with alcohol, really leaving it behind in the rearview mirror for once and forever, and changing your psychology about it, we have a program called The Path that I've created specifically for you. Now, it's not for you if you're still dabbling or trying to figure out where you want to be, or maybe even if you still want to moderate. All those things are fine. That's great. But if you're beyond that, and you're like, no, I just want to be done with this. I'm ready to invest some time and I'm ready to just make this happen. I want the answer. I want the easy way out. Then I want you to check out nakedmindpath.com and join us in the path where you receive coach guided and community support so that you can truly make this lasting change that you want in your life. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.